All right. This is episode two of Zeitgeist. I'm Derek. And I'm Connor. And Connor, what is Zeitgeist? First of all, what does it mean? And then what what do you hope to accomplish with this podcast? Zeitgeist is a German word for spirit of the times. Um, why did I pick that name? Well, one, I like Germany, like the German <laughs> language. And two, self-publication is quite literally the spirit of the times. We now all have the opportunity to broadcast ourselves over the internet. So we are trying to use these tools to you know, learn out loud and hopefully help other people. I like that learning out loud that describes concisely what we're trying to do here. So since this is one of the first episodes, I wanted to just kind of introduce ourselves casually and what experiences we've had uh, up to this point. So you want to go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing, what brought you there? Sure. Yeah, I live in Konstanz, Germany. I'm an assistant English teacher with the Fulbright program. And, you know, like two, three years ago, I was studying economics in college and it was just like randomly in a hotel lobby. And I saw this really pretty girl reading a German book. And then I said, oh, okay, I'm going to learn German now. Just felt like this crazy call to adventure moment. And yeah, then I taught some Chinese kids English for two years and, and learned some Chinese as well. So language learning has been a big part of my last two years, but I don't think that's going to be a forever thing for me. It's been a good stepping stone, got some confidence, and now really looking to build a career on the internet. Okay, cool. How about you? I'm a commercial real estate agent consultant here in Los Angeles, California, specializing in Long Beach commercial multifamily. Um, And I graduated from Loyola Marymount University with a degree in finance last year, Um, initially from Long Island, New York. uh, And so is Connor for our listeners. We were born in the same hospital in Long Island, Huntington. One week apart. Yeah. One week apart. I love throwing that out there. It's just such a, like, who, who else can say that, you know, like someone they're still friends with today. Yeah, that is, that's been pretty crazy. And now yeah. like we spent a good amount of time away from each other, a few years, very limited contact. And then we came back into contact early 2021, right? Mm, yeah. Came out to stay with you in Manhattan beach and yeah, immediate reconnection. And here we are now. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. So something that we talk a lot about because of its immense power, habits. Mm. Um, you know, you've done a lot of self-experimentation with habit forming, different types of habits, routines, tools. And I know you've had a lot of success with that. And I'm sure that what you know about these things can benefit other people because it's already benefited me incorporating some of some of these things in my life. Um, Like just to kind of get the conversation rolling on my desk here, I have a digital alarm clock um, that Connor, you bought me. It's a very nice gesture. 
um, to help with my sleeping habits. And it's actually been super helpful. I use it every morning. Um, so jumping into it, I mean, we both know how powerful habits are in determining the quality of our lives and the trajectory. Um, it, how else would you describe the importance of cultivating good habits? Yeah. I mean, power is a good word. Habits can be very powerful, especially because they eventually can compound. And when I was in high school, I read the book, The Power of Habit. And then at last year, I read Atomic Habits. So those are two pretty um, popular bestsellers on habits. And just the, the basic um, algorithm of a habit is this habit loop, right? Cue, you, you, let's say you see your toothbrush mm. and then you crave to brush your teeth. Response, you brush your teeth. And then reward is you have this fresh minty feeling. And the long-term reward is that you have healthier teeth and that's has a host of positive side effects. So once you understand the way habits work, you can start to deconstruct bad habits and implement good habits. Let's say I wanted to have a journaling habit and journaling is one of the habits that's been most high impact for me because it helps me reflect, helps me have clear thoughts, help me, helps me have a writing habit. I literally just put my journal on the nightstand next to my bed. And then the mm. cue is extremely obvious. And I write every single night in my journal, no questions, just because learning that you can design your environment to influence more positive cues and remove negative cues. Mm. Super powerful. So you said, run me through it again. It's cue followed by- Q craving, which would be that dopamine feeling. Uh, like that, I want to go do this habit, um, response, and then reward, uh, whether it's pleasure, like let's say a bad habit, Instagram, right? You open your phone, you see the Instagram app, you crave that dopamine hit of, of novelty of whatever it is that draws us to Instagram responses. Mm -hmm. I go spend an hour scrolling and the reward is my brain feels tingly and, and, and not bored for once. <laughs> Yeah, super important. So you said you can, I, I, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, didn't understand this. And so we unconsciously construct our environments around or in a way that allows bad habits to grow. Like you said, just having the Instagram on your phone. I mean, so what are, you mentioned journaling. Could you just run me through some of the most powerful good habits? And then let's be candid here and just tell me some of the bad habits you, you might've experienced and, and kind of how you got around them. Absolutely. Start um, wherever you want. Yeah, I'll start with two good habits. But just before that, I want to reiterate that it doesn't really matter if this is like neurologically true, this habit loop. What matters is this framework works. Um, I actually heard Ali Abdallah talk about that the other day. Like, it might not be exactly how this works with brain chemistry uh, is this four-step habit loop, but it's true enough 
Um, and it's a very helpful framework. So I just wanted to mention that sometimes like these mm. axioms, like if it feels like it works, I don't think it needs to be perfect science when it comes to self-improvement. Um, but anyway, a second habit would be meditation. I've been practicing meditation for about two years now. Mm. And the cue for that is just waking up. <laughs> I, I can't make meditation a habit unless I do it right when I wake up. And yeah, do you want to, should I talk about that now? What type of meditation I practice or keep talking about the habits? Let's just run through broad strokes and then mm-hmm. I can ask questions to get back into the specifics. Yeah. So meditation, cooking for myself. And in addition to that, while cooking and eating, I have stopped watching YouTube and listening to podcasts for the most part. And that's been like a nice chance for me to sort of shut off my brain, not let it just run. Um, otherwise, I mean, when talking about environment design, the habit that I ride a bike to school in Germany is, is huge because I'm mm. getting all that extra cardio just for free. And that really helps me stay focused. Um, and then a bad habit. I used to drink alcohol when I went out. And now I am at a point where I drink water and I'm not saying I never drink alcohol, but just realizing that it's totally possible to replace because there's something about you get into the habit of consuming liquid when you go to parties. (laughs) And then once you're used to that, it feels very awkward to not drink anything at all. So just knowing that, oh, I can literally replace alcohol with water and feel like 99% fine. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I love this idea of just environment design as it relates to cues for habits and also just general environment design. Um, before we dive into some of those habits, I mean, we haven't talked much about this, but are there other things that you find important when it comes to general environment design? Yes. And it's embracing boredom just okay being comfortable with boredom because nowadays it's so freaking easy to be never ever bored and but the result of that is you have less motivation right so if you are i think of meditation partially as intermittent fasting for my brain and also just knowing like i can wait in line and not have to use my phone, not have to listen to a podcast, not have to listen to music. Um, that's been really empowering. And allowing my brain space has, has given me a lot of creativity and a lot of ideas that I wouldn't have otherwise had. Sure. And um, something that you've helped me work on specifically was this, can you talk about the impact of having your phone in your room? and how you what it does to you and you know why that's an important thing to consider yeah let's just let's take food as or let's take information as food just for a second i've I've heard this on sam harris neuroscience podcast and um like we treat information sort of like food and if you're in this lifestyle where you're just constantly getting information into your brain um you're not going to be able to digest that information and it's going to be a bit overwhelming. So 
trying to have a buffer between sleep and phone usage has been very helpful. And like when I'm doing work on my computer, I generally do some sort of Pomodoro similar thing, like 30 minutes and five minutes. And just instead of using my phone during my five minutes, I walk around for five minutes. And, and it's in those moments that the best ideas come to me. Yeah, that, I think that's super important. I've <clears throat> often, I still do often feel overwhelmed by just a constant influx of information in all forms, emails, texts, Instagram, just things happening around me, people, you know, I live in a big city. Um, it's stressful. So it's, it's super stressful. Like I f- makes, makes me anxious. I'm not able to think as well. And so, like you said, these, the best ideas come to you when you can set aside a moment to be bored. Like you exactly. Um, so yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so then let's jump back into meditation because that's, that's the perfect, um, example of how we can practice being bored in other words. (laughs) Um, so, you know, there's many types of meditation, many teachers, it's an ancient practice. What do you do and kind of how have you gotten from understanding its importance personally and what was that struggle like after you realized it was important to you to actually implementing it because I've I'm kind of in this phase right now um and other benefits you could talk about just uh yeah take it away um in terms of what meditation do I practice? When I was in college, I used to just read Wikipedia sometimes and I stumbled on the Beatles in India and I saw they learned something called transcendental meditation. And I thought that sounds really cool. Um, you know, just some social proof. If the Beatles did it, it's good enough for me. And then eventually I signed up for a TM course. It's kind of expensive. It's less expensive if you're a student. Um, and this is a mantra meditation. You know, there, as you said, there's, there's tons of kinds of meditation, but a mantra meditation, basically you have like a one or two syllable mantra that doesn't mean anything. And the, you repeat the mantra in your head. And of, of course you naturally drift away from the mantra. And when you do, that's fine. It's not stressful. It says, Oh, I'm not thinking the mantra. And then you very gradually drift your brain back to it. And I don't want to give too many details because there's some secrecy with TM um, and I'd like to respect that because it's given me a lot of value, but that's the basic form of meditation I've been practicing for the last two years. And I've tried some others like breath work and waking up app with you in Los Angeles. So some experience in meditation, definitely still a beginner. And so advocates and meditation practitioners like Sam Harris, who I'm most exposed to, talk about this almost a paradox of, you know, people get into meditation because of the benefits and then realize that you don't meditate for the benefits of meditation. Mm. Can you talk about 
what your experience with that has been? Yeah. Um, well, most people are probably interested in the benefits. So I'll start there. Uh, and yes, there are benefits. There are lots of benefits. One, just moving from this point of out of control, dragged along by your monkey mind to an active observer, at least for parts of the day, is so powerful. And you realize, oh, wow, I am not as, I'm not nearly as much in control of my thoughts as I thought I was. And, um, and you start to notice patterns. I think one of the essential skills in life is pattern recognition. And you start to notice the patterns of your mind, what events make you feel what way, when you feel what way. Um, yeah, so just moving to the state of being able to objectively observe yourself without trying to judge it, just observe and say, that's the way it is. Is that beneficial to me? Um, mm. Is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And then also just lower stress levels, like like the the laundry list that often gets mentioned, I would say does hold true. And just for an example, Arnold Schwarzenegger practiced TM for like one year and then stopped. And he said he never lost those benefits because it just totally reframes the way you're able to witness your life. And then getting back to your point, you don't med meditate for the benefits. Uh, sorry, <laughs> you don't meditate for the benefits. Um, I haven't thought about that before, but it does kind of make me feel like, like somewhat like the result for hard work is more hard work. Like there, there really is no destination in anything I'm starting to believe. And I would say that's even more true with meditation. And nowadays my time meditating is some of the, the highlight of my day. So. Yeah, that's, I think you, you nailed it. Like that's what Sam Harris talks about. It's, there really is no destination. Like, at least the way he puts it, it is just to truly experience life and reality, consciousness in the most clear form. Totally. Um, and, you know, it's, I feel the same way. It's often, the best ideas that I have, the most calm and engaged that I feel throughout the day is when I'm meditating. Um, so again, like you said, there's a laundry list of benefits. It's definitely changed my life for the better. Um, and what I use is, like we said, the waking up app. Uh, created by Sam Harris. He's amazing. I've struggled a bit trying to get into meditation, um, trying to develop routine. I still struggle, but yeah, this app just, has been the most beneficial to me. You know, everybody's going to have their own thing. Could I comment on, on struggling with meditation for a sec? Yeah. Because this is a really common theme because people have preconceived notions of what meditation is, what meditation should be. And I just want to set the record straight, at least how I was taught in the TM tradition. Thoughts are a part of meditation. There, you, you are not shutting off your brain when you're meditating. Well, I guess you could say that that, that is somewhat of a, um, I don't know, aspiration is the wrong word, but eventually you get to a point where you are not thinking. But especially when you first start meditating, you are not just going to shut off your thoughts and 
thinking does not mean you're doing it wrong. It means you, you are normal. So people feel like I'm thinking that means I'm not meditating. That means I can't do this. This means I'm bad at it. I don't like anything I'm bad at. And it's, it's so discouraging for people. And I think that's really unfortunate that meditation uh, is approached that way because a lot of people just get turned off right away. So meditation is not hard. Well, it, I'll take that back. It can be hard if you, if you've never been bored before, if you live in this <laughs> super overstimulated environment, but yeah, it just have no pressure. Like, just try it. Like literally you can just sit in your room and count your breaths. I think that's try to count 10 breaths. And every time your brain starts wandering, just notice it, accept it and go back to your breath. That's it. Like if you try that for like a one month, you're already in such a, such a better direction. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome because people think about meditation in a strict way mm. often. It almost seems mysterious and you, know, you need to approach it a very specific way, but I'm an advocate of just moving forward at all. And I think it is like in Zen Buddhism, uh, which I've read a little bit about, it's called just sitting. Call it meditation, <laughs> sitting. And it's literally all it is. Like you just sit on the floor or wherever you like. And that's all you do. <laughs> and that's so it's enough. super easy to do. You literally just sit down. Like, and yeah, as you, you know, do it a little bit more, you, you know, you take the next steps, which would be what you said, you know, acknowledging your breath and your just trying to feel your body, feel the space around you, notice sense, tastes, sensations, your visual field. But you reminded me, like walking is meditating. Walking, walking without music, without a podcast is meditating. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's huge. I mean, so it brings us back to like, okay, well, how do you, what's another way to go about this? Like, instead of going through a course or, you know, you don't have to fly to India and find a fucking meditation <laughs> guru and, you know, shave your head, like, just go for a walk. It, you're getting to the same ends in a mm. different way. Like you said, go for a walk. Don't, don't take your phone. Right. Just, like, this is, I like walking because it engages your visual field to be mm. broad and focus on many things and as you walk you notice your environments changing and it's a good analogy to the mind we're really just like the person walking around the neighborhood looking at different things happening as we stroll that's our focus and we direct it to the environment, which is, you know, our physical environment, but also our thoughts mm. and just seeing them change, seeing them pass by, um, is I guess the goal of it, right. To not as Sam Harris says, not feeling that you are your thoughts. Yes. 
That's a big paradigm shift. And as soon as you can do that, changes everything. And it's not always easy. Sometimes, like often when you're upset, I think, or excited about something, we just are completely consumed by the thoughts happening in our brain. Because if your thoughts are you, we are all attached to us, right? So it's very hard to look at ourselves, look at ourselves objectively. But if, if you can shift to this mentality of, okay, I'm clearly not in control of my thoughts, right? If you just shut off your brain for like three seconds right now and try and not think anything, something random is going to come into your mind. Yeah, what came into your mind? Well, we were talking, but yeah. <laughs> uh, like an elephant. <laughs> yeah, like literally you did not choose to think an elephant. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's exactly what happened to me my first time at the TM meeting. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not in control of my thoughts. Wow. When you go from my thoughts are me to I'm observing my thoughts, you can look at it objectively as we already mentioned. And um, yeah, it's just, it's really powerful. It's really, really. It's amazing. Like the, the fun little game that Sam Harris plays in his daily meditations once in a while is to observe your thoughts. And then once in a while, look for who's thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really hard. Like that's one of the hardest things you can do while meditating in my experience. But he says, do it effortlessly and quickly. Just instantly turn the seat of attention upon itself. And... Mm. You got to try it a lot before you realize anything. You're going to be like, what is, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? And you, you try it a few times and you go back to just counting your breaths and then you try it again quickly. And then you go back to counting your breaths. And the realization that you could have, and this is a feeling, not something to be known, but you've, feel that the the seat of attention isn't anywhere in your mind like you are just as much whatever thought you're having as you're not which is interesting and that's (laughs) as i say that some of these things you can't realize or understand without actually doing, which is kind of an interesting point here. What, I mean, learn by doing it's a nuanced conversation to have um, to any, anybody who hasn't been there, but yeah, learn by doing. Um, I mean, we're still learning. We're still learning. Absolutely. I'm I've barely put a toe in the water which happens to be an ocean that is the practice of meditation. <laughs> but this point about like attention being a feeling, I can really relate to that. When you said that, like, look for the looker, look for the thinker. I tried it for a second. And there's this, there's this fundamental feeling that I feel very in touch with during serene moments, let's say maybe swimming in the ocean. 
mm-hmm. or on a road trip and you, you stop and you see something beautiful or just uh, also like, I think of Christmas moments, actually, I felt that too. And mm-hmm. I can sometimes be really in touch with this, this feeling. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but when you say that, okay, who, who is the, look for the thinker. Is that what you said? Yeah, look for the, try to turn the seat of attention upon itself. Look for the thinker. To me, it feels like an essential feeling that I am sometimes in touch with. That, that's, that's my working hypothesis right now. I have to, I'm going to try that some more now. Have try it out. it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, But what you're saying reminds me of, uh, you know, Alan Watts talked a lot about this, the non-polarity of being in that there really are no boundaries between you and the other whatever it is um and we spend so much of our days trying to divide and organize and compartmentalized thoughts ourselves our relation to the outside world and I think this feeling that you said that you sometimes get and that we realize if we can ask ourselves this question in meditation once in a while if we're lucky is the realization of the non-polarity of being there's you kind of open up your consciousness in a way that's not attached Mm. and like you said serene it's a beautiful feeling then when we talk about what the goal of meditation is i think it's that for me right now in my position feeling connected feeling connected with everything or feeling that there's minimal if any boundary between you and the rest of the world and that that reminds there are also other times like when you're having a really good conversation when you're doing some sort of athletic feat when you're doing some artistic thing when you're learning an instrument when i'm when you're learning language there are other ways i think to feel this connected maybe somewhat like a flow state also gives you this sort of connectedness And I think it's one of the surest ways to feel meaningful, to feel like, oh yeah, I feel good about life. (laughs) Yeah, because when you get down to it, experiencing life is always, like whatever you're going through, and this is kind of like what the Stoics talk about, I think whatever you're going through, good or bad, I mean if you can avoid putting labels on what's happening to you, right. That's ideal. And whenever you're in this flow state, there's no room for thoughts or maybe you're intentionally trying not to think and it works when you just feel what it Mm. is to be alive and focus on nothing other than that. That's like, nirvana you know it's freedom from thought as naval says yeah freedom from thought the buddha calls it nirvana whatever it is it's just and it can 
appear and disappear usually in a fraction of a second. But getting um, in touch with that is such a beautiful feeling. Yeah. Like Satori, I think, are these like flashes of insights that the Zen practitioners call it. I don't know if that's different. I th- I'm pretty sure it's a similar thing. Satori is just this flash of insight that you have um, that's, would assume it's a feeling and not a thought, but you might be able to understand it through thinking. Um, but all this, I think, ties back very well into the practice of being bored, like mm. not being overstimulated by our environment is how we reach this point, right? Yes. You can do it like very broadly and, and try and just increase your the moments in your day here and there of just being being and being (laughs) like not doing like not trying to do anything (laughs) we're always grasping and and just flailing around within our minds trying to do something or Mm -hmm. another Mm -hmm. thing you know everybody loves feeling peaceful right like that's what we're after is to just chill it comes back to like this basic buddhist truth that desire is suffering right you're mm-hmm. we suffer because we want something desire is a contract to be unhappy yeah. until you get the thing and if you can say i am fucking satisfied to sit here without anything i don't need any food i don't need any information i don't need any attention i can be here on my own with myself and that is enough for me at this moment it is like the ultimate human freedom there's a point i didn't make yet that i really want to touch on is that yeah we are addicted to thinking there is mass broad scale addiction to thinking how do you know that well let's just take this working definition of addiction um addiction is something you do compulsively over and over without the ability to stop even though it harms you and Mm -hmm. as we've talked about obviously overthinking harms us obviously being unable to be alone with our thoughts uh without thoughts harms us so and we keep doing it anyway so we're all clearly addicted to thinking so just realizing oh i can get to a point where i don't need to think all day long so fucking powerful super powerful um and until you can get that, like you'll never know peace. Mm. Like, you don't have to be a, a pro or, or overcome it entirely, but just like slowly, slowly, slowly realizing this and trying to incorporate. Or, or I guess the first step to change is accepting it, right? That's what they say in always, yeah, like AA you. circles and whatnot. Yeah, as it I'm relates addicted. to addiction huh just saying i'm addicted to thinking okay how do i get yeah. better <laughs> yeah like you, you better believe it because it's true <laughs> like we're all in, you know what a great example is ray dalio talks about this for anyone who doesn't know ray dalio connor and i are big fans he's i believe the executive of one of the most successful hedge funds in the world the most. Capital. the most successful. and he practices tm 
<laughs> and he practices TM. And he's from Long Island. Oh, What's yeah. Up? <laughs> um, but he he said something that was really interesting to me. And it kind of like made, made me want to meditate more. Um, which was like what we said, the best thoughts you have are when you're meditating. But the thing is, you'll be sitting there meditating, trying not to explore any thoughts, like just trying to focus on your breath and you'll have the best idea ever. Mm. But you, the choosing not to explore that idea in your head at that very moment is hard. Right. And it's funny because let's say, okay, I have this great idea. I'm going to make a million bucks off of it, whatever. I got to go, I got to go build this business, right? This is a thought. And then you're like, no, actually I'm sitting here. I'm meditating. There's a reason why I'm doing this. Let me forget the thought. Even though it feels like you're, you're missing something super important. But But what's deeper is more important. What's deeper is more important because the deeper you go, the better the thoughts get. (laughs) If you thought that was good, keep going. Do this for another year. See how the quality of your thoughts at that point. Mm. And And having the power to only choose and explore the ideas that you deem worthy is a game changer. Like, like you said, we're addicted to thinking we have a half decent thought and, you know, it feels good to explore it. Now we have another thought. We end up a never fully exploring the thoughts that we have. Alan Watts says that like the best way to be confused is to just not fully explore your idea. And that's, that's what it is. So that's why so many people are just confused. We have like, we, like you said about this information foraging, you read a headline. Well, that's an interesting headline. But rather than going and reading the article fully and understanding what it's talking about, you're okay with just getting that dopamine hit of this new information and just the possibility of understanding something. And then you go to something else. Next thing you know, you've read 10, 10 headlines and no articles, and you're just super confused. Now what? Hmm. That was exactly where I was about to bring this to, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that, that exactly, when you said that, like if too much information is confusion, that's exactly made me think of the modern news cycle. It's just creating oh mass hysteria and confusion. Um yeah, but I just want to touch on one thing you said about letting the thoughts go. Totally agree. But after you're done, you say, I'm going to meditate for this amount of time. You can come back to it. And, you yeah. know, if it was really that good of a thought, it's going to come back. Like It'll just having the discipline to say, okay, I can go away from this for right now. I'll come back. Yeah. The patience. Like you, I, I love it because you're right. Like, it helps you understand yourself better. Like if you, and trust yourself, that's another thing. Like trust that if that was a million dollar idea and you're so sure that's going to make you rich or whatever, successful, it's going to be there in in five (laughs) minutes when you finish your meditation. So like, what do you, 
just wait for it. Be patient. Trust yourself. Trust the process. Like, Absolutely. Super, super important. And it gets me fired up because I know I've been there. I still am there every single day. And we're pattern recognition machines. I know these patterns to play themselves out on a daily basis, whether you're meditating or not. And I think it's super powerful to be able to explore the ideas that you want to in your head and ignore the ones which are potentially unhelpful. Like think about so many people, again, myself included. So I'm going to stop prefacing that. But we have unhelpful thoughts and then we're dragged into them like self-critical thoughts. I'm shit. I'm never going to be anything. My dreams will never come true. Whatever it is. Those are just unhelpful thoughts. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not us. It's it not doesn't us. have to be you that way. Thoughts. If yeah. you can learn to ignore the thought and let it go back to wherever it came from then then you're not worried anymore that is essential to realize like it doesn't have to be that way and you can actively reframe the patterns of your mind the habits of your mind yeah and and practice it you know it's like you said it's all about practicing these things again doesn't have to be meditation it could just be like practicing what we talk about on a semi-daily basis i don't know um but action is the only way to to change anything you know i used and to go for it any last thoughts on meditation i think we've really hit the head hit the nail on the head i think yeah um a couple things like that I found helpful, Sam Harris waking up app, um, Zen Buddhism sitting was a very easy way for me to digest meditation, getting into it. Um, I will say there's a lot to dive into with psychedelics as a segue to get into meditation and Firstly, realizing uh, some of the parallels and how it could be helpful. So I don't know if that's something you want to talk about today, but um, there, there's a lot of a lot of power there. I'd have to do some more research. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I, that's been. I have noticed that a lot of people who I respect, Tim Ferriss is a good example of funding millions of dollars for research at Johns Hopkins, and. Um, yeah, it really seems like it's gaining acceptance in circles of people who I respect. So I am curious to learn more about that, of course, if rules were to change. And just a quick, not to get into it, but some I love Alan Watts. He talks a little bit about the psychedelic experience, how it relates to meditation. And one of the things he says, and others have said this as well, it's something that you don't stay with. It's something, it's a tool you use 
sometimes one time in your life is enough to realize what's important Mm. and then you go do those things you don't just sit there taking mushrooms every day like because (laughs) you know once you pick up the phone and you get the message you hang up the phone you don't linger on the phone you know what i mean so okay you get the message you hang up the phone now you go do the work so you would describe psychedelics mm, as a messenger which shows you what's important and what's possible rather than a vehicle that constantly takes you there is that a good analogy yeah exactly or takes you one time maybe the vehicle yeah it's you get the message you understand it's something that makes you realize what's important especially when it was something you'd never considered before okay which has a lot of you know positive impact for people who are experiencing depression or PTSD, which has been medically, you know, explored and suggested. So that's not me saying that there are peer reviewed articles, which if you're interested in this, that's a good way to explore its medical viability. I've heard that psilocybin with PTSD patients. uh, Yeah. I'm super open-minded to it. I just always want to be cautious. So, yeah. So that's, that's what I have to say about it. I think it helped me realize that the way forward is meditation. And I know the other people wow. experience that as well. So, and you know, that's the work you put in every day. You meditate every day. You don't do drugs every day. <laughs> I, I do like how you said work because it, it's definitely not a magic pill. Um, no, it's yeah, not. it's not a magic pill. It's something you have to get better at. And um, it's reps, shots on goal. And just like everything, it's all, yeah, it's probably the most important thing to take shots on goal with, because if you can alter or improve the fundamental way your mind is working, (laughs) like what more could you ask? What could be a better thing to do than work on the foundation of your mind? I, I can't think of a higher impact skill maybe than literacy or numerical literacy that I think that's probably top three essential skills and but it all comes from the the first mm, you think meditation's even more essential than the other two 100% okay you know like it plays into the other two in a very drastic way it affects everything in your life I mean, so does literacy and numeracy. Um, And so I can't explain exactly my logic here, but from experience, um, you know, I think it's about attention. It's all about attention and, and directing our attention in the right way and experiencing our thoughts in the right way. And that's, that's what I'm saying. That's principle. And then everything comes after. Sure. The reason I put literacy is because um, like maybe we were all in this fundamental meditative state when we were really young and it was really blissful and beautiful. And a lot of ways childhood was really blissful and beautiful. Um, but having a sense of literacy and having a sense of, of reason, not perfect, but understanding a little bit of logic allows us to say, 
okay, if I meditate, then that happens, or that's why meditation is so beneficial. So mm. in some way they work together. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Uh, the foundation is attention, focus, ability to, and to know what to put the attention and focus on. Yeah, exactly. And I guess you could argue that literacy might be of equal or greater importance because maybe people could read about meditation and then practice it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that's what I was thinking. I I do think that meditation um, comes first and just learning how to live live well. But uh, on that note, I do want to talk about you know, another habit, which is immensely powerful. And for me personally, number one, I said to myself, meditation, like that's something that I'm going to explore for the rest of my life. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. I'm married to the idea. Well, I wouldn't say married because no, it, I mean, I think it's fine. Like it's really that powerful. I think it's that powerful. I'm, 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 as certain as I can be at 22 years old, although many people who are older than us might say, you can't be very certain at that age. <laughs> I agree and I disagree. But what I'm trying to say is I want to pursue meditation for the rest of my life. Same. Another thing, because like you said, it's compounding. Since it's so basic and it's one of these first skill sets that we can develop, which will make us better at literally everything else we try to do in our lives. And I think the goal is to try and accumulate as many of those skill sets, which make you better at everything else. Right. And, and that's how you experience exponential growth in your success and your happiness and your well-being. everything. Just Lollapalooza combination effects. Yeah. I don't know if that is. What is that? That's what Charlie Munger calls it when, when um, things just, like it's like two plus two equals 19 (laughs) or, or two plus two plus two equals 19 instead of equals eight, you know, like things. Yeah. Compound. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. So another thing that I've decided I want to pursue the rest of my life doing is reading, Mm. reading good books too. That can mean whatever you want it to mean, but I, I think reading books that were written by people whom you respect let's just dive into reading good books for a second because um like you i didn't read much in high school or i think you read a bit in high school right zero okay only Um, what was like forced upon me and maybe i read like one business book that i scratched through and okay and people realize that reading is a good habit and they feel okay it's kind of bad that i don't read books I'd, it'd be better if I read books. Most people agree. Right. The easiest framework ever is from Naval Ravikant. Read what you love till you love to read. Yes. It's that simple. Like, don't try to force Shakespeare down your throat. Don't try to read what you should read. Read Harry Potter. Read The Lord of the Rings. Read mangas. Anything that gets you into the habit of reading so you can feel that flow state lose sense of time reading. Oh shit. I love reading. Reading is really fun. What else am I going to read now? And eventually you'll gravitate to the good stuff. What do I mean by the good stuff for me? That's been stoicism. Um, popular literature on habits is essential. I think, um, 
Ray Dalio's principles and, and like, and you don't have to read all of these books, but then you can start reading about what you want right now. I've been reading about um, sales and marketing and persuasion and psychology, because these are my interests. These are skill sets of mine that I want to double down on. So first thing is read what you love until you love to read. Don't feel any guilt about reading so-called junk at first. Of course, you don't want to like, um, read any type of super hard ideology and, and mess up your brain. But <laughs> for the most part, you're going to be fine if you just learn to love to read and um, yeah, build off of it. I love that. Like that's, that's actually what's gotten me to read was so when I was in high school, like literally the reason why I wasn't a reader was because I was convinced that it's worthless reading anything other than nonfiction. Mm. And more specifically, I said, I want to be a businessman. So I'm going to read business books. I actually didn't give a fuck about what I was reading. I was forcing myself to do it. It was incredibly painful, but I was like, this is what a good businessman does. So I'm going to try to do that. Like slow it down, take a step back. And right. just like do what feels good within that framework. Like it's dangerous, I think, to say do what feels good if you don't have the understanding of how to go about that. But within the context of reading, yeah, I think go go wild. Do yeah. whatever feels really good. <laughs> and you're like you said, you're gonna get to the good stuff eventually because interestingly enough, reading some of the best books in the world is like one of the best, like most enjoyable things. I don't know why it's like, um, I, c I can't exactly explain it, but when you're reading, you're basically just experiencing what it is to have the thoughts of the writer. And when you're I locked in. When great men and women write, their thoughts are organized in a very pleasant way. Like, we all like to experience a level of organization. It's very human for us. And we kind of like when things are put away in good order. And our brains are the same way. It feels good when our brains are organized. And, and thoughts are organized and our lives are organized. And I think great people that write great books have that. And you're able to kind of download what that feels like. <laughs> yes. I was, I was just thinking that, right? Like someone spent hundreds, thousands of hours developing this thesis, developing right. these ideas, and you can just buy time buying a book it's like the highest ROI investment you can ever make is an amazing book that just saves you literally a lifetime of learning. And you yeah. can now just level up your intellectual ability. Yeah. And we've talked about this idea before. Get this, like, think about how crazy it is that somebody who spent their entire lives to a single idea and has written it down concisely for your pleasure and your understanding, you can take that and you can build on it. 
Right. And that's how all of our society was developed. That's how science works, right? Like you, you get a bunch of scientists, they start working on an idea. And as you get higher up, you get more specific. And then like, you, they're kind of like building the foundation of a field, like a new, let's say it's a new field. I don't know, quantum physics. Then like they learn something new. Okay, now you know something new about quantum physics. Now the next scientist learns that because it's a lot easier to just like kind of download that information than it is to find it out right. from scratch. It's like then, um, they build on it. It's like a mutual evolution or like a like a group effort. And that's how that's how our whole society works. Like uh, <laughs> you know, like you can't like I'm sitting looking at my macbook air like i'm super productive because somebody else was smart enough to build this for me and, and yeah, I it's amazing it. you know like and now i'm crazy productive i got my cell phone i got everything in front of me i got my house like somebody else did all this work now i can come in and like do something else and that's kind of what we're trying to do too right it's taken a lot of time for us to realize how valuable meditation is and now we're yeah. or realizing how valuable reading is now we're here hopefully one person younger or older hears what we're saying right now and thinks oh you know i'm going to try that too and i just want to return for a second to books right a lot of people are like okay great read what you love until you love to read but i don't love reading and i have no idea what i would ever love to read well <laughs> um here are just some principles I use in picking books. If you have no idea what to read, think of a person you really respect. For me, that's Naval Ravikant, and you want to be like, and say, literally just Google, what books does Naval Ravikant recommend? What books does person who I respect recommend? And look through it, because you'll, that will really help you adopt sort of his or her, his or her mindset. Um, and if you think this is a person I want to be like, it will make you more like them. Um, and of course, you want to be careful about this. You don't want to get too um, ideological about one person, but it's a very helpful starting framework. And then talking about the Lindy effect, the very simply, the Lindy effect just says ideas and technologies that have been for a long time, have been around for a long time, will probably be around longer, right? People have been reading the Bible for however long, the Bible is probably not going to disappear overnight. There must be something to that book where people have been reading the Stoics for 2000 years. There's probably something to those ideas or the Tao Te Ching, whatever, right? Um, so understanding that time is a pretty good indicator of what's true or what's useful um, mm -hmm. means you'll ultimately start gravitating towards the classics, the books that have been around for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you have any other advice on picking books, especially for someone who has limited or none experience, experience of loving reading? Because I think you very recently made this transition to loving reading, right? Within yeah, the last two, three years. Me too. Yeah. Within the last year. Mm -hmm it's changed. Like I've read, I don't know, 60 books last year. And before <laughs> that, I didn't read like any books <laughs> and I'm not like it, it's, and I like really look forward to that. Like, dude, right. like, I'm stoked. Like I actually feel really good about myself saying that. And I don't have shame. 
like I'm proud of myself for for doing that and it's a testament to what's possible like you know I want to read a thousand books whatever like it's something like I said that I want to dedicate my life to in part exploring good books wisdom acquisition acquisition of wisdom after (laughs) and just pleasure like there are so Mm. many stories that I've read like I've read books that made me cry and I don't cry like honestly if anyone knows me like I I mean sometimes obviously but I'm relatively right less of a feeling person on that scale of feeling versus logic I don't know man I think you're I think you're pretty on the feeling side I think I could be too. Maybe I'm bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're you're an aggressive and tough person, but I think you're more on the feeling. Like, think about the type of conversations we have. We we are like exploring consciousness <laughs> right now. Yeah, no, that's very true. Okay, uh, good point. <laughs> it's fine. We're learning so, out loud. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, it's funny because other people have told me that too. Like a lot of my best friends have said that to me. Or like, I think like, you're the type of person who doesn't want to be. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. I, wanna, like, I think it's better to be emotionless. But because it's typically that's not very masculine. Typically, like I don't want to stir the pot too much, but Jordan Peterson talks about like the big five personality traits and sort of this reason mathematical mindset happens more in men that's not to say women can't be excellent engineers of course they can we know this obviously there's always exceptions but typically men fall toward more towards the logic interest in the things and we are exceptions in that way that we're more interested in people and feelings and um, that can be embarrassing at first because it's not the norm but i think there's actually a lot of power in that in being outside of the the typical um, personality stack um one piece of advice about getting into reading like don't be shy to put a book down if you're not enjoying it like get in good one get in like 20 30 pages maybe 50 pages depending on the book and if you're like i'm not feeling this don't keep reading it agreed Find another book and don't find something that you think you should be reading. Like we said, find something that genuinely interests you. Um, And for me, like I realized I I like books about surfing. Barbarian Days is a phenomenal book. It's the best book I've ever read is because I love surfing, but I never even thought that I could read a book about surfing. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that's something you do. That's not something you read about, you know? you were in this paradigm of I have to read business books because I want to be a business person right yeah or whatever like I, I have to read stoicism because I want to be a better philosopher it's like I actually ended up enjoying those books a lot but um like I like adventures you know go read an adventure book I like trees I read the overstory it was a phenomenal <laughs> book about forests like and you might be like, well, that's not going to benefit me. It 100% does for the reasons we spoke about. These are incredibly talented, intelligent people with beautiful stories. And stories are a great way to learn about life. So there's a lot, a lot of nuance and things to be learned within those. I think that's something we could touch on in the next podcast, actually, stories. And um, 
like just a quick note on that even jesus taught in stories right the parables Mm -hmm. um so that would be very interesting to talk about storytelling next time yeah that'd be cool um you know it might be cool to invite dima on the podcast because he's a he's a filmmaker and he like has dedicated his whole life to the art of stories all right let's hit up dima all right derek branch any closing remarks on meditation books um, habits make a list we talked about this you gave me this idea make a list of things that you know today to be good for you in unspecified quantities just something that's always going to be good for you in your life and make a list Mm. write those things down and remind yourself and then go do them i love that i love that cook a meal whatever it is my my last point would be be flexible um Mm like understand that a lot of things we consider to be a part of our identity, to be a part of ourself um, are often just habits and habits, as we know, can be changed. So. I love that. Cool, man. Well, this is fun. Let's, Let's do it again.